The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Sharon Kleina Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, the power of water. I'm Sharon Kleina. As I've told you many years ago when I began this radio talk show, Power of Water, I was convinced with a mission that we could reach out to all of the world and get them to listen to the mission statement that our lives are depending upon water, W-A-T-E-R, water. Our challenges through the years as we've studied, and as you know, I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research Water Life Science Studies, is the world that we have been living in is because of water. There is no question about it ever in time. Everybody has been convinced. But the challenges we run into is lack of education, lack of priorities, of what needs to be understood. To live on the planet Earth as a, as a life force of, of energy, let's just say, on this planet, the priority was left behind. The country of Holland original governments were water. All of the original governments around the world were based because of, of primary formulation of water. Living next to the waters was always the primary reason for cities to grow, communities, villages, and towns. Water. But what happened along the way with our focus? In research and science, our health issues were primarily studying the evaporation of the body's water loss, living with the atmospheric water vapor, causing a a disease which is out of control, dehydration effects. But your evaporation of body water is your primary life. Inside of your mother's womb, you were in a pocket of water. You came to live in the water of the atmosphere, in the water vapor of the earth. The atmosphere is water vapor. I've been correcting people when they say, well, we live in an environment. I want people to start saying, we live in the atmosphere. Because then I know you're being reminded and you're reminding yourself and others we're living in the water vapor of the earth, that invisible water that keeps us alive every moment of the day, our earth. That baby, when it's born, is brought to that water vapor and a recycling begins. Earth began with a recycling. We recycle 
from the evaporation of body water from our bodies through the skin, the eyes, our breathing, and more with the water vapor of the air. They re- our body and the water vapor of the air is recycling with the fresh water, the water on the surface of the planet, not down in the aquifer, up on top of the surface of the planet. Now, I bring to the table for all of you to study and challenge. Scientists know this, but as you begin to study and begin to use common sense and challenge, why aren't we being educated about this? Because that is your health issues every moment of your day. There are no two eyes alike, no two fingerprints alike, and more. What are your health issues? Evaporation of body water loss. Now, I'm going to go back and repeat body water evaporation. The earth evaporates. The water atmosphere and the vapor evaporates. The surface water of the planet is evaporating. Now, down in the aquifers, they're not really evaporating because they're snuggled by the surface of the planet. And as you all know, aquifers are below the surface of the earth. Inside of your body, you have like an aquifer, but the challenges you run into is the skin and your body organs are functioning on water and they evaporate. When you say the word dehydration, that means your evaporation is out of control, causing a severe dehydration. What is dry eye? What is vision impairment? At the surface of your eye is 99% water. The eyes in the womb and the mother, when they first begin to develop, are connected with the brain immediately to that moment. The brain and the eyes connect. The brain is 80 to 85% water connected to the eyes. What are in the eyes at the surface are 99% water. What is vision impairment? What is an allergy? What is a common cold? What are all of these symptoms? Out of control evaporation causing a dehydration. Common sense. That was being studied for thousands of years before the 1900s. But after the 1900s, we decided we're not going to study that as much anymore because we needed to quick fix these complaints that people are coming to the doctor and the doctor needs to answer those questions, get them out the door so they're at least satisfied to go try something because they may not believe that you need to drink 8 to 10 glasses of water a day without any added ingredients to the water. If you add an ingredient to that water other than maybe a little flavoring of lemon, lime, or orange, you are blocking absorption of the water in the body. You must drink at least four of those all at once to have absorption, but no less than eight to ten. Now, your breathing. I've been getting closer and learning more from our Tai Chi and Qigong individuals that are into the art for thousands of years that were found, was founded by in China, Qigong, Chai Chi. They work with the energy force of the atmosphere's water vapor to breathe in, breathe out that atmosphere of water that you don't see, but it is the energy of all the life. It, it is the electric power at the surface of your eye has an electrolytic ability to 
communicate with the energy in the water vapor. So you would have the ability to see because of your water on the surface of the eyes. Obviously, it does an electrolytic surge of energy to recycle to the brain. And the brain recycles back to the eyes. Study that. I challenge you. And I'm going to challenge everybody with the word dry eye. I own patents all over the world with a description of dry eye. And dry eye is the evaporation of water loss at the surface of the eye needs supplementation because the atmosphere is evaporating too quickly and you need to supplement with just a mist. I'm the founder of Nature's Tears Eye Mist. I was asked over 10 years ago if I would study the eyes and what is happening with vision impairment to blindness. I showed them after a year's study what is causing that vision impairment is water loss, out-of-control evaporation, water loss, to a dehydration effect causing vision impairment called dryness, dry eye. Dry eye is what it is, water evaporation, water loss. You need supplementation. It's vital. No different than you're brushing your teeth to slow down and try to prevent cavities, to drink water, to be able to slow down the evaporation of body water loss. Watch your food. Nutrition can cause a severe evaporation. Learn how to breathe in through the nose, out through the mouth with breathing exercises to breathe in that moisture. Moderate exercise. If you're an athlete and you aggressively exercise, learn how to slow that down in between times with moderate exercise to slow the evaporation down. Sleep is vital to slow the evaporation down and let the body catch up. Learn how to breathe. Learn how to drink a lot of water. Learn how to eat properly. Learn learn moderate exercise and how to sleep. All recycling water. Recycling water is the future of life. Your education is vital to water life science. And this is why this show. Your teeth are 8 to 10% water. Lungs, we're hearing more about lung cancer. Lungs are 75 to 80% water. Melanoma is out of control. I said that years ago. It's skin is 70 to 75% blo- water. Your blood is 50% water. Your heart is 75 to 80% water. What is your body? Active organisms operating in water, with water. With, it can't live. The body is in control of you with those organs. Remember, you need to learn to discipline yourself and try to discipline the functioning of them so they operate with more of a health Olympics other than out of control with you being vulnerable to other problems and symptoms. Always remember that. That's your gift of life. And Earth whispers, don't take it all with you. Learn something more and leave it behind for all the generations to come. Better education is vital in your life. 
and to leave that behind. Well, today I'm really excited about Dr. Alan Jurnett. He's a Ph.D., co-facilitator of a uh, Southern Oregon Climate Action um, uh, new movements, new trends, new ideas, new technology. And are we going to have fun with this one today? Because there's some questions I'll be asking him and we'll be challenging each other and we'll have a lot of fun with your education. So listen closely because this is Water Life Science. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. And Eye Mist, with just a mist, is going into China here soon with the Alibaba Group. And as we study that and work with going into China, the educators of China are going to be teaching water life science out in the world of China. Why your eyes go dry? Why the atmosphere is water? Why the eyes are water. Why water is so important to your life science. You must learn to use nature's tears eye mist and let the world know your mission is water with water life science. We'll listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back with Dr. Jornette. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Jornette, are you with us? Yes, indeed I am. Thanks for having me on the program. Well, thank you for joining the program. Excuse my voice. I was excited today. Uh, Water life science has been my focus for a long time, and there's no secret. We put millions and millions of dollars behind what we do and futures to come. And your background with climate studies and so on is what we've been bringing on into the show for many years, so this is my ninth year. I want to learn more about picking your brains today about what's happening in our forests, to mm-hmm. cause okay. the water atmosphere to have what what is causing this crisis of the forest and the evaporation problems. But before we begin, it's obvious that all of us that get into what we're doing have a mission personally. We're not just doing it because we tripped into it and it's something maybe we don't like. But I have a feeling you're going to be one of those. You tripped into it, but you like it. 
or you wouldn't have gone where you're going. Tell us about your past and tell us how you got where you're at today. Okay, well, um, the main the main reason that I really got involved in uh, climate change issues was because I spent 30 years teaching biology at Southeast Missouri State University. Much of that I was teaching ecology. And as I was looking at the uh, projections that climate scientists were producing about the future of uh, our global temperature patterns, I started to realize that uh, if these... Uh, projections actually came to pass, what we would be uh, consigning our planet to is a future where all of our natural systems, our forests, our grasslands, our wetlands, and so on and so forth, will be totally disrupted, almost to the point of uh, non-existence, and potentially that. And then I realized uh, reasonably that the same variables that influence our natural systems, mainly temperature and and precipitation, water availability, those two patterns are exactly what influence our agriculture and our forestry. And so um, it became very clear to me that if we do not uh, take this issue seriously and address the problem, then we are consigning future generations potentially to a a planet that's unlivable. And uh, and so uh, from my perspective, my concern is, is one of intergenerational justice. If we care about future generations, we should address this problem. That's your mission. That's it, yeah. Yeah, how long ago did you begin to challenge that? Did I begin to, sorry, what was the Challenge that focus. Uh, How many years ago? Was the word change or challenge? Challenge the focus. How many years ago did you begin to challenge that focus? Because we get into things to find out. What, what are the well, obstacles? What can we do to solve them? How many years ago did you begin? Yeah, well, I'm probably about 10 to 15 years ago as I was okay. teaching ecology. And then I started uh, once I realized there was a problem. And, and I really felt that uh, we have a responsibility. If we understand an issue, we have a responsibility right. to communicate that understanding. And so I started as a young doing person, community did you go, programs. Did, as a young person, did you live outside a lot? And did you try, uh, hike a lot? Uh, uh, not really. I grew up in Britain. You might be able to tell that from my accent. Um, and I, I, I played from some sports, but I didn't spend a lot of time um, in the mm-hmm. outdoors. I, I just grew up enjoying nature, I, I suppose. There you I go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, today, let's take this uh, out now. What have you been learning uh, about what happened here with the word climate change, global warming. I'll start out mm-hmm. with the word global warming. Okay. What is your overview that you found? And let's pretend like there's scientists, there's the businessman, and there's the, the people who walk the streets of everyday living called consumers. Mm-hmm. Did you, what did you find that finally trickled down to the consumer? Do they understand global warming, climate change, do they understand it? Uh, I think largely not really. I think what's happening, however, is, um, and anybody who's living, particularly in southern Oregon, is living, uh, living the experience that is, is climate change. We're seeing it. We're seeing it with the increase in wildfires that you alluded to earlier. 
we're seeing it with the warming temperature, you know, and we're just going through a summer which has, I don't know whether it's going to turn out to be a record number of days over 100 degrees, but I wouldn't be surprised. We're seeing, we're seeing trends um, that are um, consistent with exactly what climate science is projecting or predicting. So we are living um, climate change here and now. It's not something that's, uh, that's going to uh, impact people somewhere else way in the future. We're here and now. And I think what's happening is many people who um, may be and may, may not have really uh, bought into the uh, science uh, are beginning to see with their own eyes that this is happening right here, right now, and, um, and uh, are starting to understand. But I think there is, there is still a lot of people who just are not seeing the connections, are not, if you like, connecting the dots. Um, you think because think the in- dots were not connected with, with the education that's necessary? You know, they come out with all of these stories. I read them, and, and of course, I work with scientists all over the world, and, and what I do with evaporation and body water loss in the, in, in the medical field. But back to the lack of education, people, when they educate, maybe don't educate to what people can understand because they're pushing certain new keywords of algorithm, and algorithm description started thousands of years ago by beating a drum. But the algorithm of the word they're moving into the audience of people, people are saying, well, global warming, huh, Okay, then they're saying global climate change. Okay, but they're not, doctor, understanding really what is happening here. Because well, I think I think you're right. Um, that that, uh, and it's it's not easy to to grasp the connections. It, it it takes a bit of time to 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 spend with the with the explanations to understand really what's happening. And once you understand it, what you realize is that there's nothing in the, the connection between what we are doing in terms of emitting uh, gases into our atmosphere from uh, burning fossil fuels and other things and the, the warming that's happening. There's, there's really nothing in that series of connections that is, that is um, all that complicated. It's just putting it all together and realizing that uh, this is what's happening. And Could I you think, do a uh, favor, Doctor? I'm gonna, I, we radio, radio talk show hosts have a tendency to interrupt so we can stop yeah. at the moment and get it. How, how would you explain that to our audience today so they could understand where you're coming from? Okay, well, I, can, I think I can do that very quickly. I usually okay. do this with the graphs and charts and things, but I think I can do it very quickly okay. just in a, a verbal. So the first thing to realize is that what, what's primarily driving the temperature patterns on the Earth is incoming visible solar radiation. A lot of people think it's heat coming from the sun that's driving the process, and it really isn't. It's incoming visible light, and we can see it. So we can see visible light coming through the atmosphere, passes through the atmosphere very easily, no problem, and it reaches the Earth's surface, the ground, and for reasons that I confess I don't understand, but uh, this is just one of those uh, one of those components of the package you just have to accept. When uh, visible light, short wavelength radiation hits uh, solid objects, what happens is it turns into longer wavelength heat. And that heat is what's radiating back out 
into space from the surface of the Earth. There are a number of gases in our atmosphere for which we're incredibly grateful because without them, the planet would be awfully cold. Probably life wouldn't have evolved. But those gases um, absorb the heat that is radiating back from the surface of the Earth. And those gases are primarily carbon dioxide, methane, and uh, oxides of nitrogen. These gases are in our atmosphere naturally. As I said, we're grateful to them for being there. But as we burn fossil fuels and do other things like land conversions and misapply agricultural uh, techniques, what we're doing is building up the concentration of those gases in the atmosphere. And not surprisingly, as you get more of those gases in the atmosphere, more of that heat that's radiating out from the surface of the Earth gets trapped. And it's really like a thermal blanket. It's exactly the same principle as, as at night we put on a blanket because it traps the heat that's radiating from our body and keeps us warm. So these gases in our atmosphere are behaving just like a thermal blanket. They're trapping the heat and they're keeping us warm. In fact, they're getting us too hot. Does that make I sense? I like that description, thermal blanket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, most people call this the greenhouse effect, and, and it, that's not a bad analogy, but a better but one is not the thermal blanket. Right. Yeah, and I think that's right. Um, and and it's, it's not incredibly necessary to understand all of the details, but the thing to appreciate is there are gases in our atmosphere that are trapping heat radiating from the surface of the earth, and as we increase the concentration of those gases, you know, guess what happens? They trap mm-hmm. more gas, and more heat rather, and the planet warms up. Right. And that's it in a nutshell. Okay, I'm going to uh, tell you some evaluations that we have as a team, uh, those of us studying the evaporation of the water of the planet, Mm -hmm. the word evaporation. Mm -hmm. Um, When when we're talking to individuals about health issues in, in, in the field of the medical symptoms, is we try to get people to relate that that we're going through what you just said the planet is going through in in Mm -hmm. our our individual health. What are those symptoms and those diseases that are out of control? Is the earth is going through what we're going through, but the earth is going through it first. The earth, we're recycling all, every moment of the day from the moment earth began, there's a recycling. And that recycling is a, an evolution of evaporation of water vapor evaporation, surface water evaporation, and human life, all life, is affected by it. Evaporation of water, water loss and all of the elements that go with that to dehydration. Um, the, out there on the streets of the world... The challenges we're all having is individuals understanding that. Because as you know better than I, that if an individual doesn't understand it, that's one human life or something else in, in the education or the know-how of what we're trying to do on the planet together as a planet of human life to try to improve this so that we'll last for eternity. And what you said today, too, is it won't last for eternity. 
the word eternity if we don't try to figure it out. Yep, totally agree. And the climate change, uh, I'm going to ask you, I'm, li- I'm very pleased that today you didn't use global warming because that became an, a debate of differences, but climate change is what Earth, how Earth began. Is well, with that I, water vapor around the planet first, and then something changed to start evaporation recycling, and all of a sudden Earth got a droplet of water coming down to begin the life of a soil to have a species begin. And uh, your mission of your life is very, to be applauded because the planet needs more people and schools getting more students excited about becoming, um, getting into the science of what you're doing uh, to contribute to the future of what can we do for our planet to be here forever, the word for eternity. Now, as you've been telling us with what is happening here, we're having out there in the world a real interesting Thanks to the news reports, we're getting in one area more rain than they've ever had. We're getting in another area more heat than they've ever had. We're getting in areas like up in Canada now, snow began early. Um, Our lives in our planet around the Earth and, and the Middle East has been for many, many, many years dealing with nothing but sand and not enough water. The whole planet could become that way. What is your thinking on what is happening here with one area getting too much rain, another area, and the word too much, can we get too much water? Because there is definitely a severe evaporation going on in the planet to where the word drought is also having as a, a, a focus. But what is well, your what, thinking? Yeah. Well, what's Pardon? happening is, what be, and, and um, I, I do use the term global warming, and, and the reason I do that is because that's really what's happening. The planet is warming up. Climate change is the consequence of that. So we have two terms. One is the cause, and the other is the effect. The effect. Global warming, the cause. Climate change, the effect. And the reason that climate change is such an appropriate term is because the increased energy that we're putting into our atmosphere as a result of this heat trapping process is resulting in a wide range array phenomena. And these include floods and droughts, both opposite ends of the spectrum, depending on where you are in the, on the planet. The, both the, uh, the extreme snowy blizzards, the winter uh, bad weather, and the summer bad weather, and droughts, they're all wrapped up in this whole consequence of having too much energy in the system that drives, uh, that drives weather phenomena to extremes. So, so the, the, the droughts and the, the floods, we're getting both of those phenomena different places, are a consequence of the global warming process, the trapping of heat in our atmosphere, and, of course, in our oceans. 
Mm-hmm. We're going to take our only break, and then we're going to come back, and I'm going to ask you to explain what you mean by the energy and the symptoms so they can get better education about okay. what that means, too. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be right, right. back. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist with Just a Mist. It's tissue culture-grade water with just a mist to be able to supplement the eyes, to be able to have a a, a 99% water balance at the surface of the eye, which is for healthier vision every day. And what is healthy, unhealthy vision? Severe evaporation causing a dehydration at the surface of the eyes. You need to supplement with just a water. We'll talk. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Dr. Joynette. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Joynette, before our break at that moment, you were talking about you do believe it's global warming with the transition of what is happening with our cl- climate change on mm-hmm. our planet. I don't use the word believe. I say that the wealth of the evidence indicates that that's what the cause is. Okay, the worth of evidence. Okay. Yeah. And there's been a debate on whether it's global warming causing climate change or just a climate change of the way Earth began at the, at the beginning even. Uh, it had a, a changing continually all the time because of the way it was living with the solar system. Well, the, yeah, there are certainly cl- climates have changed historically over the geological eons of time, but we have a pretty good understanding of, mm-hmm. of the, the prevailing impacts on temperature uh, over the geological period. And what's happening right now is when you look at all of those factors, what we should be doing is going through a cooling period, mm-hmm. um, but we're not. We are heating up and the heating up all the evidence suggests is a function of the increased concentration of those greenhouse gases, as they're called, in our atmosphere. Right. Now, before the break, you mentioned the energy. Yes. When, uh, when the audience is listening, uh, they're wondering, what do you mean by the word energy? Why did you use that? Well, energy is, is you know, defined uh, as 
the ability to do work. But essentially, in this context, the energy comprises the heat that is being uh, trapped by the gases. And the most obvious consequence of that energy is drying out, the uh, drying out of our soils and the drought that we're getting. But the other impact of that energy is it makes storms that happen, like hurricanes, um, they suck the energy that's being retained in the atmosphere, and that makes the storms even worse. And so we get incredibly bad storms where we didn't uh, get such bad ones before. And we, we ha we've heard a lot about hurricanes, and the thing that happens seems to be happening with hurricanes is very simply, we're not getting more hurricanes, but ones that happen are tending to be more severe. So we're losing mm -hmm. some of the level one and two hurricanes and getting more three, four level hurricanes. Mm -hmm. And that's the energy in the system that's being trapped by these greenhouse gases. And the easy way to think of it is think energy equals heat because that's a perfectly good analogy. Now, way back in time, mm -hmm. when they started recording, uh, that they could start recording the hurricanes and the typhoons and the earthquakes and the climate that was changing, did they blame it on global warming way back when those same things were happening? No, it's this is this this is a phenomenon. Well, let's 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 go back. The first time that uh, anybody started to think maybe the uh, concentration, particularly of carbon dioxide, this all started with the Industrial Revolution. Really, mm -hmm. the first time that anybody started thinking maybe there's something going on here potentially was uh, back in the early 1800s, about 1820. A, a character by the name of Joseph Fourier right, suggested that suggested that we were increasing the concentration of mm -hmm. carbon dioxide in our atmosphere as a consequence of burning coal. The Industrial mm -hmm. Revolution was great in terms of uh, our lifestyle, but it had consequences. Mm -hmm. And he was the first one. Then uh, John Tyndall, about 1850, started developing that idea a bit further. Mm -hmm. And then in the late 1800s, about 1890, Svante was the one who really said, if we keep pumping this carbon dioxide into our atmosphere, we're going to have a detectable planetary temperature change. So the idea has been around for a long time, but right. most, of the, most of the heating of the planet really has happened since about the 1970s. Uh, when you look at the, the graphs of global temperature, mm -hmm. that's when the bulk of the heating starts taking off. And the, the, the catch is that the carbon dioxide that we have been pumping out as a, largely as a consequence of burning fossil fuels, especially coal, um, that started to build up in our atmosphere and it hangs around for hundreds to thousands of years. So it's not surprising that it took a long time for this to build up enough to really have an effect. And, and it's over the last, um, what are we looking at now, 40 or 50 years that the impact has really been dramatic. Why is it that, uh, I've got a question there because I like the way you said that, uh, described it. Um, when we've got in the United States a, a state, California, mm -hmm. and California is in the worst drought, and the former Governor Brown mm -hmm. used to tell them that you will have a severe problem, so they built those canals, so they would never have a problem with water. 
that they would figure it out with that investment from the early 60s with those canals. And then the state of California turned off the canals to the fields, and the fields became, they're becoming sand now. And the aquifers below there are becoming drier because the irrigation feeds the soil to stay alive and then the uh, absorbs into the aquifers if there's not enough rain. What is your thinking about what uh, California and its uh, impact on the global warming? Well, I'm not sure I fully understand the question, but... uh but the, the pattern well, they're that's in a severe ca- drought. Do, do you they, think they should be blaming? They're calling well, it, I, how I, much of California's drought? It was a headline I got today. How much of, well, of California's think, drought was caused by of, climate change? I, says? I think that pretty pretty much the whole of California and of course Southern Oregon are under uh, have been going through an extended drought, and the likelihood mm-hmm. is this is a, exactly a consequence of the, the global warming that we have been experiencing because mm-hmm. drought is such an obvious consequence of that pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's, there's quite a bit of research out there that suggests that drought is, has a good chance of going on for over a decade and maybe as many as 30 or so years. So we are, mm-hmm. we are really on the edge potentially of a very extended drought period in the western United States. And it's not just mm-hmm. California because, of course, uh, when you look at the maps from the, the drought monitor at the University of uh, Nebraska, what you see is pretty much the whole of Oregon is in various uh, mm-hmm. levels of drought, not as bad as the extreme conditions in California, but we're experiencing it too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and one of, the, one of the things that you will hear climate scientists say all the time is, we cannot point to this particular extreme weather phenomenon and say, mm-hmm global warming climate change is what's causing it. But what mm-hmm. we are certainly seeing is exactly the pattern of predictions that the climate scientists have been making with more extreme floods, more extreme wildfires, more mm-hmm. extreme droughts, and, uh, and more severe hurricanes. We're seeing the patterns. But again, you can't look at any one and say that one was caused by climate change. However, what you can do is you can look at phenomena like Hurricane Sandy, which, uh, which hit the north, northeastern coast. You can look at that one and say, well, the reason that one was quite as bad as it was was a combination of factors which are almost certainly climate change related. One of them was the sea level is rising, and the result of that is when you get a storm surge, it actually does wash over land. And I doubt there was anybody what, five, ten years ago who thought the uh, New York subways were ever going to be flooded out. Mm-hmm. Well, they were, and that was partly a function of that severe storm and the rising sea levels pushing the water over the coast and down the subways. So we can look at phenomena like that and say, well, it was probably a lot worse precisely because of, of uh, the global warming pattern. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so we can see things like that. But was that hurricane actually a function of, of global warming? Probably it would have happened anyway, but it wouldn't have been so bad, most likely. So there we go. Uh, so it, it, hurricanes and typhoons and earthquakes and volcanoes and all these things have been happening. Like yeah. Earth's individual cycle of its life. 
for for a long, long, long time. But you're saying it might not have been as bad as it was if we would learn more about our cycle and how we live on this planet to make it a better place and a safer place. Exactly right. With technology. I wanted to ask you about the fires now. Um, We do have a lot of fires uh, on right now. And I have my own opinion about it. Um, But I want to hear what you're thinking. What What could we do in the forest to try to make them safer for uh, if there should be a fire so that it wouldn't be an out-of-control fire that's what's happened? Well, uh, the, the, problem, the problem with wildfires, uh, and, and I'm not surprising that the Forest Service has been doing a lot of research on this, the, uh, the two factors which seem to be the most um, correlated with bad fire seasons as opposed to ho-hum average fire seasons. Not, a, not that a, a fire is every, ever okay, but uh, we get really bad fire seasons when two things happen. The first one is when the temperature is higher than average. Uh, and, and it doesn't have to be. This, 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 this one really stunned me when I first found it. The difference between a really bad fire year and an, uh, a ho-hum average fire year is one degree Fahrenheit over the course of the year. Now, mm-hmm. of course, summer, the summer might be a bit warmer than that, and it balances out with a slightly less warm winter, but only mm-hmm. one degree is the difference between Fahrenheit as a bad amazing. year. And that just wow. amazed me. And the other thing is, if we get early snowmelt, then what happens is, uh, and as, as most people who live in southern Oregon are aware, and on the West Coast pretty much is the same thing, we have historically in this part of the world relied on snowpack as our source of water for late summer and fall. The snowpack melts and it runs down our rivers and we use that water for our uh, late summer for irrigation for agriculture. Well, if we get early snowmelt, then what happens is the the peak stream flow is earlier and so later in the year when we really would like some moisture for our agriculture and our forests, there's less moisture coming down the streams and, and so the soil is drier. So those two things combine to make make for really bad fire conditions. And when you add to that, what we are seeing throughout the West is a decreasing snowpack. Um, you look, again, you look at uh, the snowfall records from NOAA, what you can see is a decreasing snowfall from about the 70s. And I mentioned the 70s before. That does really seem to be a pivotal period when Things started getting hotter, snow, snowpack started dropping. Mm-hmm. So we get getting less snow. So what's there melts earlier. And uh, as, as probably everybody in southern Oregon knows, we had a really low snow, no, snowpack year last year. So we got less water out there, less coming down the streams. And now mm-hmm. we're into late summer, fall, and the, the ground is parched back to the water problem that you, uh, you refer to so often. And, and it, it's a water problem. And, well, it, it, of course, it is number one, the water yeah. problem. Yeah. And, the and atmosphere there are, is evaporating. There are other things going on, that, and, and I'm not going to say that's the whole problem. But oh, it's another not the problem, whole. Another, but it's the yes, number one. The whole thing. 
number yeah, that's one. The, I think that's number one. But, but as, one. as a lot of people will say, one of the problems that we have had in, or probably throughout the country, but maybe in the West it's more severe, we've had a very successful campaign of, of preventing forest fires. And these, these forests are essentially fire adapted. So they're familiar with historical fires. And so when we suppress fires, what we get is a very thick, dense underbrush. And uh, anybody who's, uh, you know, into the fire scene knows about ladder fuels. And so we get a lot of these ladder fuels where fires can climb up the understory and get into the canopy and then really take off. And that's a really serious problem. So we do have a forest management but. I think the driving factor is, is this: is these two things, the temperature and early snowmelt with low snowpack. Well, and also the insects in the forest. When there's um, not enough water vapor moisture in the uh, forest and the insects are having to start just soaking out everything it can, they can to be able to well, survive, yeah, everything becomes much more brittle. There's an interesting story there. Um, um, uh, uh, one of the things that I spent some time on when I was a bit younger was uh, insect um, ecology. And I was looking at the nutritional relationship between trees and insects. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that happens when trees get stressed out by, uh, by drought, they have, the, the trees can't do very much, right? They don't have a, a, a whole behavioral repertoire of things they can do so they can't get up and walk away those roots so, can only go so far <laughs> yeah and so what happens when the trees are stressed they engage in a little physiological mechanism which results in the increased concentration of uh, amino acids nitrogen containing amino acids in their tissues mm-hmm. now that's that that works in a physiological sense because it resists water loss but mm-hmm. it also makes those the foliage and the trees, the tissues, much more nutritious for insects. Mm-hmm. And so while we're stressing out our trees, okay. we're actually making them more uh-huh. attractive to insects. And so the insect populations, and everybody knows about that the bark beetles. That is what's happening. Okay. So the bark beetle populations start ticking off. And yeah. then the other thing we're doing is warming up our winters. And so the, what used to happen was these, these insects were that populations were really knocked back during cold winters. But since mm-hmm. the winters are warmer, more of those insects are overwintering right. and coming back in the, in the, in the spring. So, it, mm-hmm. you know, it's a men- tremendously complex process. But, <laughs> but isn't it fascinating? With, yeah, we're making it worse. <laughs> the ecosystem of our planet living in the solar system of, and here we humans, have a purpose to hopefully develop technology to figure it out. <laughs> well, I, I think we have. It was, to, I, we have I, was I with 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 your uh, with your background. I hope I explained that without being too sounding yeah. like I was too common sense. <laughs> I mean, so Doctor Joyner, everything I do in life is common sense. <laughs> <laughs> I I have to have this. Um, side of me forever, and they call me a holistic scientist all over the world, I have to have this side of me. I know I'm not smart. I've got to go figure this out. And so I, I take on the common sense. Then I found out in the medical field and in the world of living, people love the common sense, so then they understand. 
what is happening? How do we live with this planet? We can get up as a homeless person, touch the feet, as a, our feet on the ground, and begin a day living with the most amazing miracle on the, there is, living on the planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And the, breathing that moisture from the air that keeps us alive and on, go on, oh, and the life that exists is recycling. And we've only got a couple of minutes, but I wanted to ask you, I'm a believer in technology and, mm-hmm. and what needs to be done with new ideas, new inventions, new thinking. Um, what do you think of recycling water to help our planet become a healthier Oh, gosh, planet? yes, it makes absolute sense. Yeah, we, we, we waste a lot because we don't reuse the gray water in, for things that we can use it for. Yeah, right. that... that, that it, it, there's a lot of stupid things that we do that we know better. Well, it, okay, and can I mention the uh, can I mention this um, conference that's yes. coming up before yes. we before we lose run out of time? Yes, yeah, you've got um, a minute left for you. Yeah, yeah. If if folks are interested in this whole question, that they're aware of what's happening in Southern Oregon, uh, Southern Oregon Climate Action Now is organizing a conference: um, Our Critical Climate Trends, Impacts, and Solutions, a Rogue Basin Summit, basin wide. Mm-hmm. For October the 13th and 14th, and if uh, folks are interested in addressing the problems of uh, global warming that we're seeing experienced in that neighborhood, we would encourage them to to try and attend this. We're we're looking at solutions to the problem, and uh, I'm going to encourage folks to go to the website, which is SoCanClimateSummit.info, I-N-F-O, not com or org, and you'll find out all about the... uh, the conference and uh, registration information. So, okay, our so our, our listeners are worldwide, but uh, so they go to the website s o c a n dot yes info i n f o. If you go to socan info, you'll find a link to the uh, conference website, which is socanclimatesummit dot info. Okay. And and then after the summit is all over, uh, they can come in and see what happened during your summit. Yes. Will there be information on there afterwards? Um, we will have after the after the summit. Will we? Our plan is to put up the presentations on our website. So good. And good. We, and we're getting. I'm with. Yeah, I'm with filming it. So we will, with a bit of luck, get a some kind of a a video of the event. Oh, wonderful! Okay. Well, thank you for your time. Have a wonderful time during your summit. Uh, have you ever met Dr. Dwayne Cecil with NASA? No, I he's don't a climatologist, think so. uh, um, and he's also a water scientist and an atmospheric scientist. He's part of my team. Okay, but no, I will I don't let think you I go. Have. I will let okay. you go, and you have a very special summer that's left. And thank you for coming on. And if after the summit is over, it'd be nice to have you on again, Doctor. I'd be I'd be thrilled for the opportunity. Just, okay. just give me a call. Thank okay. you. You have a nice Thanks day, so and you be well. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, did we learn a lot? I did, and he taught me a lot. And there's so much to learn. Can you learn enough? And remember, all this, all scientists, all are studying for what is best, what they think to make a planet a better place. I'm saying, embrace your life every special moment. It's your moment, but embrace somebody else's life too. But Earth whispers, don't say goodbye. Leave something for all the generations of children to come to know you cared. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank Dr. Jornet and uh, what he is doing with his mission. I want to wish you well, 
and um, you take care of yourself. Bye. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Oh,